class is Memory of Jared Ocean, and we will start the fifth book from the five books of Moses, the book of Deuteronomy. Please open on page 867. We will just start the book of Deuteronomy, but really I'm going to take you on a journey of the whole Bible. But we'll get there. That's kind of what Moses is doing too. So. You're right. You're, it's true, the book of Deuteronomy is called Deuteronomy. I think one of the meaning of the word is, or in, in Greek, what's the word? What's the meaning of the word Deuteronomy? Uh, repetition. Repetition. Because in Hebrew, the book of the Dvarim is also called Mishneh Torah. Mishneh Torah means the repetition of the Torah. Moses, in this book, that was written five books before he died, was uh, he said it five weeks five weeks before he died. He reviewed everything that happened to the Jewish people. That's what happened in Deuteronomy. And then in, in five weeks, he died on the seventh of Adar, a week before Purim. Five weeks before, I would say it's the first of January, kind of thing, around first of February. I'm sorry. If uh, Purim is like middle of March, then this is the beginning of February. Five weeks before that, five weeks before he died, he, he, he said the whole book of Deuteronomy and he wrote it down. That was Deuteronomy. And he actually goes and he tells the story. What happened? Okay, we will start and we'll get to someone. These are the words that Moses spoke to all Israel on the east bank of the Jordan, in the desert and in the Arabah, near Suf, in the vicinity of Paran, Tophel, Levan, Katsurath, and Dizahav. This is in the area which is an 11 day journey from Horeb to Kadesh Barnea by way of the Seer Highlands. Very well done. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say. All the names, it's not just named as Rashi says. Moses wants to rebuke the Jewish people, <coughs> remind them of their, their shortcomings that he doesn't want to embarrass them. And what is he doing? He mentions the name of the places. You remember, like you tell your child, you remember what happened there and there. You don't have to tell them what happened. He remembers and you remember. And nobody else needs to understand. The same thing is here. God is Moses is telling them about all these places where the deserve means that they made the, the golden calf and so on and on. That's why he mentions this na the names of the places. Okay, on the first day, on the first day of the 11th month in the 40th year, Moses also spoke to the Israelites regarding all that God had commanded him for them. This was after he had defeated Sihon, king of the Amorites, who lived in Heshbon, and Og, king of Bashan, who lived in Ashtarot, uh, who, who was defeated by Edre. Uh-huh, in Edre. In Basically, he's talking about the two giants that Moses defeated them, and now he's speaking after that already. Okay. Moses began to explain this law on the east bank of the Jordan in the land of Moab, saying... Okay, Moses started to explain this law. Rashi says on this word, that's not in this, in this Chumash, in this law, Moses explained, he translated the Torah in 70 languages. Moses translated the Torah. Who understood right there? Judaism believes that there is, we are one nation, and there are 70 nations in the world. You ever heard about this concept? There are mm. 70 nations. Yeah, and that time? Why? Because yeah. the Jewish people came down from Egypt, 70 people. Therefore, God created the world, 70 nations, because the Jewish people start, the nation of the Jewish people started with 70 people. Therefore, there are 70 nations in the world. If you tell me today there is 139 nations, 
schizophrenic, you know, they have problems. There is 70 nations, I don't know how to combine them, but from the Jewish point of view, there is 70 nations. And the same thing, there is 70 nations, there is 70 languages. How many languages officially today in the world? Thousands. Thousands? Yeah. But they're all offshoots, they're not really different languages, you understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. There is a different dialect, there are different days, but really, if you put them together, there is 70 languages. Moses started the process of translating the Torah. Now, is this a good thing to translate the Torah or a bad thing? What do you think? Depends on how it's used and who did it and what mm -hmm. language. Right? The Greeks, it didn't work too well. Mm -hmm. oh. The famous translation that we know is a translation, the first translation done by the Greeks. Mm -hmm. it was during the time of the Second Temple. Tell me was the king in uh, the the Greek king in Syria decided somebody told them in Syria I think it was right well, it was actually done in Egypt was in, in Egypt. Egypt in Egypt and Alexandria he said he had a big library and somebody told them you don't have the Jewish Bible your library is missing something very important that he commissioned 70 rabbis from Israel and he took them into a big uh, palace in Alexandria, or no, there is a, nom a name of the place, I forgot, a certain place in, in Egypt. And he gave them 70 rooms, and he walked into each of them and told them, I want you to translate me the Torah. Separately. Gave everyone paper and ink. Go ahead. Now, what was the good agenda? The agenda was 70 people translating one book. Obviously, it's not the same. And then we'll drive them all crazy. Oh, you lied, you tried to lie, kill, kill them. Give them such Torahs that we know end of it. They all translated the Torah. Now, you cannot translate a book, literally. can't, because then you lose many times, you lose them. You must, you must explain it. You must change it. They all made the same changes, the Talmud says. It's an amazing thing. It was a miracle took place. And they finished it on the 8th of Tevet. There is a fest, the 10th of Tevet. There is two days before that they finished that. The Tent of David first was uh, before that. No, what? And the Talmud says like this. The Talmud looks at it. That was such a terrible thing, like the day that was created the golden calf. That's how terrible the Talmud looks at the translation of the Torah. Even it was translated by rabbis, not by strangers. The people in Alexandria were actually very happy. Why they were very happy? Because they didn't speak Hebrew. And finally, the Torah is translated to Greeks, and the kids can learn Torah. Then the Jews who didn't understand Hebrew were happy that the Torah is translated. The Jews who understand Hebrew were very sad that the Torah was translated. Why? Because when you translate, when every word in Hebrew has more than one meaning, as we learned quite a few times how, for example, we spoke last week about angry. The word anger is in Hebrew, two separate words. Depends how, how you translate. In English, you translate it. It's all the same thing. You lose. When you translate something, you only have to translate the literal meaning. You cannot translate a, not a deeper meaning. You lose the deeper meaning. The many layers that the Torah has was lost. More than that, when the Torah was only in Hebrew, nobody could claim that the, the ownership of the Torah. Nobody can make his own commentaries to the Torah. Nobody can twist the Torah. Now the Torah is available to everyone. Everyone can do whatever he wants. That's the bad side. The good side is the rest of the world sees the light of God. And that's a very good side. Then like everything in life, there is a good side and a bad side. 
And some people looked over at the negative side, some people looked at the positive. Ultimately, it had to be translated. If you want to bring the world to God, we have to be a light unto the nation, we have to, we have to teach them the Torah, one way or another. Now, what are the changes that the rabbis, the, it's called the, 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 the translation of the 70, right? What's called the name for Septuagint. it? Septuagint. Septuagint. What Septuagint stands for? In, in Greek, it's 70. 70. Very good. Septuagint. I'll remember at least for five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> then they, they, made, they made many, many changes. We'll go over on some of the changes and see how they made it. The miracle was that all of them made the, the same changes. But what were the changes? We'll start just from the beginning. There were 15 of them. We'll see, we'll see. We'll see some of them. Page three. The first line of the Bible, right? Bereshit In the beginning, God created heaven and earth. Now, if you want to translate it literally, Bereshit means what? In the beginning. Beginning. Now you say in the, you already oh, had it. Beginning. Beginning. Bara created. Elohim, God. And at Ashamayim, the, the heavens and the earth, right? If I translate it literally, it'll come out like this. Beginning, created, God and heaven and earth. Mm-hmm. You see what will happen mm-hmm. I'll be Mr. Beginning, who is the ultimate God, created God and heaven and earth. That they changed it. They wrote, God in the beginning created heaven and earth. Or created in the beginning of the king Barabashes, God created in the beginning of heaven and earth. Now the Torah started it in this way, because the Torah starts with a bet. What's the symbolizes? Why the Torah starts with a bet? Second letter of the alphabet, it's an open it's a, letter. It's a, because of Jerusalem, because of Israel and the Torah. There are many different explanations. They're the purpose. Why of not it Because Aleph is uh, one. It's a Shem. No, no, very good. That is two. All creation is two. That's number one is God. Number two is the world. Understand. The Torah is, is written in such a way, Bereshis, the Torah says, the world, yeah, the world is an important thing. But number two, before number two, there is number one. God. What does this mean? It means to say, who is the center of the universe? The world or God? The secular attitude to life is like this. The world, there is, the, the world is here. We don't need Paul's life, right? Now prove me that there is a God. The Jewish attitude is... That there is a God is for sure. I need proof that there is a world. You understand? The world that to prove itself to be like God wanted to be. But number one is God. It means to say, what's the center of the universe? Is God the center of the universe and I adjust myself to God? Or I am the center in the universe of the universe and I adjust God according to me? Do I am created in the image of God or God is created in the image of me? <clears throat> now many times people say, oh, I can, uh, God made all this. God did not make all this. But my God cannot do such things. <laughs> you order him on, on the internet, you're God. What means you're God? That means that you are the center and you're looking, going to the store to find a God that looks just like you. In your image. 
and because you're a nice guy, that your God cannot do this. Or, God is God, and you are created in His image, in his image and you have to learn to be like His image. You don't understand something? Fine, we can work this out. But the question is where it's starting. Therefore, the Torah starts with a bet. What in the Torah starts with an Aleph? What in the Torah, something very important, starts with an Aleph? Elohim. No, no, that's Elohim, I know, but which part of the Torah starts with an Aleph? <coughs> uh, I am the Lord your God. Very uh, good. Okay. What is this? Ten Commandments. Anochi Hashem Elokecha. This is speaking about God. It starts with an Aleph. You understand? Then the Ten Commandments starts with an Aleph. The Torah, the world, the creation of the world starts with a bet. Secondary. God is number one, the world is number two. In the world of the Greeks, when they switched it around, they, start, they started Elohim bara Bereshit. They started the word Elohim with an Aleph. The way the world looks on, on God, that the world is first, and then there is God. That's where it is. If you want, that's the difference between the secular attitude to the world, to God, and the Jewish attitude to God. That's in general. That, that was the first change. Now we'll go to the second change that they made. They didn't have to go too far. They just turned one page and they made another change. On page 5, it's written on number 26. God said, let us make man. You see how it's in parentheses? In, in like, oh. mm -hmm. Let us? Yeah. What means let us? If you don't know anything about Judaism, you read about somebody who said let us, obviously speaking to other people. Obviously there is a whole committee, not to one God. That somebody who reads it can say, oh, let us make men. It's getting worse. A minute later, let us make men in, with our image and likeness. Our. Plural. That means the one there's more than one God. Right? It's written, the Medrash says that Moses told God, why not write it the way it should be written? Let us make men. And then God said, write it this way, because I, God wanted to show humbleness. That he, so to speak, advised the Supreme, the heavenly court how to make men. And he wanted to teach human humbleness to, make, to ask advice before they make a decision. Not to decide everything on their own. And he said, if somebody wants to make a, mispa a mistake, he should go ahead. It means to say, God wrote the Torah in a way that it could be made mistakes. God wanted, you see, if there is no mistakes, there is no place for free choice. God wanted it should be able to, oh, look, even, even it's in the Bible, let us make man. Ah, there's more than all. God says, anybody wants to make a mistake, make a mistake. When they translated the Torah, they didn't, they didn't write the word, let us. They wrote it in a way that means God says, let, let, let's make men, or, or I'll, I'll make men. I don't remember exactly how they put it, but they made it in a way it should be clear. And then they said, in Hebrew, Betzalmeinu means in our image, it's plural. They made it, they didn't, they made it in a way it shouldn't be understood. They were afraid that Talmi will understand that there is, God created more than one set of human beings. God created 15 couples, 10 couples. What's so bad about it? Can you imagine how the world would be? You're from the bad couple, and he's from the good couple, and he's from this. Will be even now human beings eat up each other alive. Can you imagine what would be if 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 if, if there would be different people? 
Actually, the Talmud points out there is a Mishnah in Sanhedrin who says, and why God created one, one set of human beings and then separated them. One, he basically created one unit of husband and, of male and female and then separated them. Nobody should ever say, I'm greater than you. I'm coming from a better couple. Eventually, the main point that the Talmud points out that God did it for the sake that if you save a, a life, you save the world. Because when you save one human being, that take, imagine Adam and Eve, it's one human being. And you don't, don't have anybody else. You kill them, you kill the world. And really, from every human being, there is generations and generations and generations to come. Then that's why led, that's a second change. Now we'll go to the third change. One more page, not too far. In the beginning, they're more, more active. It's written on, on number one, um, chapter two, number one, right? Um, Mark, you want to read it? Chap page seven, chapter one, number one. Sorry. Heaven and earth. Oh, heaven and earth and all their components were thus completed. With the seventh day, God, uh, Hashem finished all the work that he had done. Oh, God finished all the work they had done. Really? Uh, then when God finished the work? On Friday or on Saturday? On Friday. Friday, just the last minute. But it's written on the seventh day, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Then what got created on the seventh day? Rest. <laughs> what did this mean? How you create rest? What do you really create it? That he created, but he didn't create it. Only Jews can understand such language. Yes and no. <laughs> yes, but no. But no, but yes. What he did? He created it? What he created on Sunday? He created the Shabbat. Very good. What he created exactly? Holiness in time? Holiness. A concept of spirituality, if you want. Mm -hmm. Like physical things are created from God. Spirituality is also a creation from God. The, God didn't create anything physically, but he created something spiritually. But... Talmud wouldn't understand such a thing. That they wrote, he finished to create everything on six day, and the seventh day he rested. A big change. Everybody made the same changes. But for us, God read it, first of all, what you say, that God created, God finished to create in six day, all the way to the last second. And the question is, God couldn't stop an hour before Shabbos. What is this? What is he? Why was he late? God wanted to teach us, number one, the importance of time. You have a minute? You better do it at something. It's an hour before Shabbos, you're already going out of town. What do you mean? You have a minute that something could be done, you have to do with it something. Everyone spoke about not wasting time, he said, when you look at the watch, and a minute passed, it should give you a zitter, he said, it should give you, you should shake, you should shiver from this that a minute was wasted. A minute. That God told us, that I heard it from the Rebbe, that the God told us the seven, the, and he walked until the last minute to teach us how important the minute is. But what he created on the seventh day? He created holiness, Kodesh, Shabbat Kodesh. You know that we say the Friday night. How, well, how is the blessing for lighting candles? Can anybody say it? Asher Kedishan Sotav Tzivan Ladik Ner? Shel Shabbat. Kodesh. Oh, Chabad says Shabbat Kodesh, the holy Sabbath. The first, Shabbos Kodesh, the holiness of the Shabbat. 
Shabbat is not a day of rest. Oh, on Shabbat, they'll be able to rest. I'll eat the children, they'll be able to rest. That's what Shabbat is. Rest on Tuesday. <laughs> Take a nap on Wednesday afternoon. Who cares? <laughs> Shabbat is much more than a day of rest. It's a rest from the physical thing to concentrate on the spiritual thing. That's why we daven longer on Shabbat. That's why we learn Torah more on Shabbat. That's why we see that the family, the Friday night is also a holy thing. Shabbat in the Hasidic philosophy, you know, Hasidim, real Hasidim, don't sleep on Shabbos afternoon. Wasting a holy day and sleeping? What a waste. It's such a holy day. What I did on the holy day, I went to sleep. Really? <laughs> I did, you'll do something more meaningful. Then that's what God created on the Shabbat. They couldn't understand it. The, day, the way it's written for the Greeks, God finished the work on Friday and rested on Shabbat. No Chochmas. The next one is... Um, as far as I remember... Is by, is by Sarah. I'll show you something. Something very upsetting to people who are... Um, you'll see some. Okay, on page a, a 79. We read the story how um, the three angels came to Abraham, right? And they told him about he's going to have a child, right? Mm -hmm. Let's read how they said it. On page 79, number 10. Corey, you want to read? I will return to you. To you. Okay. Uh, I will return to you this time next year, said one of the men, and your wife Sarah will have a son. Sarah was listening behind the entrance of the tent, and he was on the other side. Abraham and Sarah were already old, well on in years, and Sarah no longer had female periods. She laughed to herself, saying, Sarah laughed to herself, saying, go ahead. Now that I am worn out, shall I have my heart's desire? My husband is old. And my husband is old? Go ahead. God said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Can I really have a child when I am so old? Is anything too difficult for God? At the designated time, I will return and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid. Continue one more line. And, and denied it. I did not laugh, she said. Abraham, Abraham said, said, You did laugh. You did laugh. You laughed, you didn't laugh. That Sarah laughed. Sarah heard it. I will have a baby. She was 90 years old. She laughed in her heart, right to herself. And she laughed. And God says, how did Sarah laugh? And she don't. Can, is anything short of God? Can God not do this? Sarah said, no, I didn't laugh. Everyone said, you laughed. If God tells me, you laughed. Very nice, right? <laughs> we'll go back. A few pages. Not too much. Um... I saw it before, a minute ago, and I lost it. No, I think I'm going too far. Just give me another second. 
is a story here that God told Abraham that he's going to have a child. And let's see. 75. 75? It was in period of Where is it? No. Um, one second. Oh, you're talking about 77. God said to Abraham, Sarah, your wife, do not call her by name. Sarah, for her name is, for her name is Sarah. Continue to read. Abraham phone was facing left. Yes, where is it? 77. Mm-hmm. Thank you, 77. Oh, bless her, make her son. Yeah, I see it. Okay. Uh, you want to read? 15? Um, 17. 17. Abraham fell on his No, no, I started 15, I'm sorry. Right. Hashem said to Abraham, Sorry, your wife, do not call her by the name Sarah, for Sarah is her name. I will bless her and make her bear you a son. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of entire nations. Kings will be her descendants. Abraham fell on his face and he laughed. He said to himself, Can a hundred-year-old man have children? Can Sarah, who is ninety, give birth? To uh, Hashem, Abraham said, May it be granted that Ishmael lived before you? Hashem said, Still your wife Sarah will give birth to a son. You must name him Isaac. I will keep my covenant with him in an eternal treaty. Okay. For he is descended so after him. Thank you. Then what do you see in a story? God told Abraham that he's going to have a child. And Abraham laughed. Did you see any admonishing? God asked Abraham, how dare you laugh? Nothing. Discrimination. What is this? <laughs> Racism. For a man laughs, that's kosher. Oh, Sarah laughed. God tells Abraham, doesn't even speak to Sarah. God tells Abraham, how oh, dare Sarah laughed. And Sarah says, I didn't laugh. And Abraham says, you did. What's going on here? Well, Just a different, for different reasons. That's a different of two pages. <laughs> Abraham laughed, it's kosher. Sarah laughed. No, it's not <laughs> kosher. Laughter can indicate oh, that in the other translations, and then, for example, in the good Chumash, they, they write, they don't hear Ben Abraham, they don't translate laugh. They translate rejoiced. Abraham rejoiced, Sarah laughed. But in Hebrew, it's the same word. Tzachaka, tzachak. Mm-hmm. The same word. How we know that this is rejoiced? From this alone that God didn't rebuke him, we know that it was the right laugh. You understand? Why I think God, God is discriminating? It's ridiculous. That alone is the proof that God didn't. But for Talmi, you will say, oh, it's discrimination. That they changed, they wrote in, by Sarah. Sarah laughed. It's written, Bekirba. She spoke to herself. I'll show you on, um, on page 79 in the bottom. Number, the one line before the end in the Hebrew side, it's written, Vatitzhak Sarah Bekirba. But Yitzchak means she laughed, Sarah laughed, Bekirba means, Bekirba means literally in herself, in her, in her inners. They translate it, Bekirba means among your friends. That's how they translate it. To say, to, so to speak, to say, Abraham laughed in his heart, so she told others and she laughed. That's the power. That they change from the literal meaning, the older the meaning, Jesse should never. He should, he should not have a problem with God, so to speak. That's 
another change that they made. But the miracle is that they all made the same changes. All 70 rabbis made the same changes. Everybody realized that may have been a miracle, but the far greater miracle would have been if they had been in the same room and they agreed. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Maybe they made the same changes because they were not in the same room. Good point. Very, very good point. So just to agree as much, it's, it would never happen. It wouldn't be such a miracle. <laughs> it wouldn't happen. Simple. The next one is on page 245. Also, they, they altered the literal meaning. <clears throat> Make one point lower. Um, page 245, it's a story. We'll wait until you come That's back. Okay, there, there is, it's a story about Jacob before he dies, he admonishes his children, right? He gives them blessings, mm -hmm. but to the first one, he really told them what he thinks about it. By the way, we learn, and it's also in the book of Deuteronomy, that a person should not admonish his children be uh, only before he dies. That he shouldn't have to look him in his eyes again and again. That Jacob did that before he died. Moses did it in the book of Deuteronomy before he died. That's what the Talmud learns from it. Then here we learn, he, he admonishes Reuven, then he calls to Shimon and Levi. On number five, on page 245, number five. Simon <clears throat> and Levi. Simeon and Levi are a pair. Instruments of crime are their wares. Let my soul not enter their plot. Let my spirit not unite with their meeting. For they have killed men with anger, named fools with will. Okay, we'll stop right here. They've killed men with anger and, and maimed uh, bulls with will. Let's see what he brings here in the bottom down. You say something about men bulls? Killed men, referring to Shem. Okay, men bulls. First to Joseph. First to Joseph, yeah, yeah, but some, okay, they, they translated, they didn't like, they didn't want the Talmud should say, even Jacob called the murderers. Even Jacob called his own sons murderers. You see, the Jews are murderers. That they said, they, they said he killed men with, like, he killed, uh, they killed ox and maimed, uh, um, Something like the the you know the where the place that animals eat what is called hostel and uh, uh, what is called um, pasture not a person where you keep an animal uh, barn. Huh? Barn. a barn or something like this now there is another word for uh, horses where you keep uh, in a barn stall, stall. yes stable. that's stable <laughs> thank you then they, uh, they take in, and they, they they name the stables basically they took out the men from the picture. Because they didn't want that the Greeks should say that, look, even Jacob called his own children murders. That they changed it. We'll go to the next one. Next one is in the book of uh, Exodus, the beginning of the book of Exodus. On page 277. Actually, 275. That's like almost look like a small thing. Literally, it's like, like why they change it? Um, we read about here, God told Moses, go take, save the Jews out of Egypt, take the Jews out of Egypt. Moses was arguing for seven days, right? Yeah, I'm going, I'm not going. Finally, he's going. Okay. Moses leaves Midian. 
Go ahead. Number 18. Moses left and returned to his father-in-law Jethro. Jethro, he said, I would like to leave and return to my people in Egypt to see if they are still alive. Go in peace, said Jethro to Moses. You know, Moses was looking forward. Maybe Jethro told him, don't go. <laughs> it didn't work. Go ahead. While Moses was still in Midian, God said to him, go return to Egypt. All the men who seek your life have died. Moses took his wife and sons and putting them on a donkey, set out to return to Egypt. Oh, put him on a donkey. Any problem with the donkey? Look. Abraham rode a donkey. Yeah. Messiah is supposed to ride a donkey. Yeah. 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 Bilaam rode a donkey. It's on both sides. <laughs> what, was the, what was the Cadillac of that time? Camel. The camel. The horse. A donkey. What is it, a schlepper? Mm -hmm. They changed that to something he wrote and something that carries human. They didn't write what? You can understand the donkey, you can understand the camel, you can understand the horse, whatever you want. Could be a Ferrari. <laughs> a Ferrari. At that time. Yeah. The Ferrari of that days. And a donkey. Schleppers go on donkeys. The rich people. The leader of Moses should go on a donkey. Did they change that? Isn't this unbelievable? They didn't want it to look, the world will look, will have the wrong image of the leader of the Jewish people. Could be also. That's my commentary. God tells them to take the Jewish people out of Egypt. Who goes faster? A camel. Should take the most fasting way to go. Maybe that's why they changed it too. But also, why why Moses chose a donkey? Why Abraham and a donkey? Why Moshiach and a donkey? They're very slow. Uh, humility. Humility. Humility, humbleness. Without a Ferrari, Moshiach can show up without a Ferrari. It's okay, it's okay. The small car, he will also make it as a Moshiach. I remember in 770, the Rebbe, the Rebbe was never driving a car, but he had the driver with a car. And the car was, I was by the Rebbe in 1986. The car, the car was from 1973 or 74. The Cadillac, an old Cadillac. They fixed it again and again and again. And they always they tried to change the car, and the rabbi said, no, the car is good, the car is good, no need to change. One day they decided they will surprise him. It was on the rabbi's wife's birthday. That's a good day. They felt they can, they can take leisure, put up in front of 770, a beautiful car, a new car that was with a lot of luxuries for the rabbi, that the door should open this, it should be easier to walk in. He was already older than this year. The rabbi walks out, he was on the, the rabbi only traveled only from his home to his office. The Rebbe never went everywhere. That's first of all, let's make it very clear. The only place he went, he went to his father-in-law's gravesite, to the oil. That's 25 minutes from Carnites to the gravesite, back twice a week, whatever he went. That's it, he didn't go anywhere. Nowhere, anywhere, nothing. For four years, he didn't go anywhere. He was every day in the office. Every day of his being as a Rebbe, for 42 years, the Rebbe was every day in the office, every day. They show up in the beautiful car, all the boys. I was a young boy then, I was 20 years old, probably. 19, 20, <laughs> the excitement was hitting the roof. And there were younger boys, 16 and 17, they were dancing. It was Freilach. I knew right away that this excitement will pay off wrong, the wrong way. The Rebbe walks out. It is back to go to the to his father in law's gave. He used to take all the letters that people sent him, he used to read it on the cave side. He used to go with a big brown bag. 
and he walks out fast, and he used to give charity to little boys to put in the charity box. As he gets by the car, there's a lot of people there. Videos, cameras, everything. The secretary knew not to mess around. He tells the Rebbe, this car is a new car given by this and this person as a present to the Rebbe. The Rebbe tells them, tell them thank you. And the Rebbe quoted a Talmudic statement, somebody who hates present will live long. That's what written in the Talmud. <laughs> and bring back the old car. <laughs> now they knew that it could happen. <laughs> the, 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 the old car was right there. <laughs> took still, still, still took a few minutes to move everything from the new car to the old car. The Rebbe stood there. He was very, very unhappy with this, with this event, that he put him on the spot. First of all, it's not comfortable. The Rebbe told this person was a dear friend of the Rebbe. No, he spent so much money. The Rebbe didn't want to insult him. I mean, it's, it's not. But the Rebbe said, I don't want a new car, and I mean it. And then, and then the Rebbe never spoke about it. A few months later, by Fabrengen, the Rebbe spoke about material things, that you should be busy with material things. The Rebbe said, they wanted to give me a new car. I'm very happy with the old car. The old car went to many good missions and will continue to do good work. Eventually, the old car broke down. They had to list, but at least they started to list cars. No more buying cars. That's learned all the way from Moses. You drive on a donkey. Simple, humble. That's it. It's good enough for you. A donkey is good enough to make it. But they change it. In the world of the, in the secular world, where materialism speaks about how righteous you are, how great you are, you know, even when, by us, when, when, we, when we build a building, certain people say, oh, yeah, it's all Chabad. We didn't change anything. The same rabbi, the same prayers, the same everything. <laughs> Building to some people, the building makes a difference. If you like it or not, the material world makes a difference. It's different if you show up. If you show up with a Ferrari, some people have more respect. You can say whatever you want. But Moses wanted to teach us a lesson. But that's what they changed. Small thing, but they changed it. The next thing that they changed is a big thing. It's a big, big, big thing. <coughs> it's written when we left Egypt. How long were we in Egypt? Number you want to use 430, 410, <laughs> 410. Page 315, please. <laughs> Let's read the Exodus number 37. The Israelites traveled from Ramses towards Sukkot. There were about 600,000 adult males on foot besides the children. A great mixture of nationalities left with them. There were also sheep and cattle, a huge amount of livestock. The Israelites baked the dough that they had brought out of Egypt into unleavened matzah cakes since it had not risen. Mm -hmm. They had been driven out of Egypt and could not delay and they had not prepared any other provisions. Okay, now it comes. Go ahead. The lifestyle that the Israelites endured in Egypt had thus lasted 430 years. 430 years. Now, when God tells Abraham, your children will be slaves in a foreign land, first of all, he didn't tell them real, but in a foreign land, how many, how long he tells them? 400. 400. But when you calculate the numbers, how old was Yochevet with Kehat, when you see the numbers in the Bible, the Bible itself proves that the Jewish people were not in Egypt more than 210 years. 
Then how you, 400 years, you know from when? From the day Isaac was born, it's 400 years. What God told Abraham, your children will be slave in a foreign land for 400 years. We start to count on the day Isaac was born, then we come to 400 years. That means the beginning of exile started when Isaac was born. It materialized, the, it was the 210, and the world, the harshest year, the uh, slaves in a foreign land was only for 80 years. It was plenty enough too. 80 years is also a long time. But now it's written 430. You know what's 430? We count from the day God told it to Abraham. It's 430. 30 years before Isaac was born, God told it. The covenant that God made with Abraham, what's called the, the Brisbane Absorium, the covenant between the eyes, called the covenant between the, the parts, was 430 years before the Jews left Egypt. That you have to make this kind of calculation to make it 430. Here it's like simple, 430 years. Then what they did, what they will say, if anybody who can calculate the numbers, they say it's a lie. How could it be 430 years? That they had two words. The time that the Jews were in Egypt and in other lands were 430 years. Mm. Not just Egypt. Egypt and other lands. Mm. That they added these two words in the translation. And this way, other lands, everything together is 430. Not only in Egypt, because the numbers don't go well. Now, why God, God did it only 210 to make it easier on us. We are, not, we are happy we came out after 210. We are not angry with God that he didn't, didn't live up to his full meaning. God, you see, there are certain things, there is many things like this in the Torah, that God turned the, can turn the around into a blessing. For example, God said to, Abraham, to the flood of Noah, it started as a, as a rain. And if God, if, if, if they would do tshuva, it would turn into good rain. The same thing is here, God said 400, and, uh, 400 years. That if God is merciful, if, if the Jewish people deserve it, it will be only actually 210. We will count the 400 from the day Isaac was born. If God would want to, he could go to the more literal meaning of it. We leave it always up to God's interpretation. God will be, will be much better off to leave it up to God. People say, God, you promise me. Leave the calculations to God. That's why we say in the God of Pesach, we say, we bless God, that calculated the redemption. What means he calculated the redemption? He used his own calculation. Because if he used the regular calculation, we would be in big trouble. Then we thank God that he didn't, took us, he didn't keep us in Egypt for 400 years, literally. He calculated the, 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 the redemption and he took us from Egypt after 210, after 400 from the day Isaac was born. That's what we thank Hashem. That's a, good, that's a good thing. And this is another change that they made. The next change is... Um, next change is not so... I'm not going to be busy with it. Because it's not so real. It's really change. Oh, there is one, something very interesting. <laughs> In Leviticus. We read about all the animals who are kosher and not kosher on page 545. 545, we see what are the kosher animals, what are not kosher animals. 
Right? Somebody wants to go ahead. Chapter 11, number one. Uh, Hashem spoke to Moses and Aaron, telling them to speak to the Israelites and convey the following to them. Of all the animals in the world, these are the ones that you may eat. Among mammals, you may eat any one that has true hooves that are cloven and that brings up its cud. However, among the cud-chewing, hoofed animals, these are the ones that you may not eat. The camel shall be unclean to you, although it brings up its cud, since it does not have a true hoof. The hyrax shall be unclean to you, although it brings up its cud, since it does not have a true hoof. The hare shall be unclean to you, although it brings up its cud, since it does not have a true hoof. The hill, right? And then the pig. The pig. The hill, it's called in Hebrew, Arnevet. The Talmud says the name of Thomas's wife was Arnevet, or, ne- or her, whatever. She had an animal name, like many people have animal names. I mean, in Hebrew, there is a Hirsch, Tzvi. Tzvi is a, is a deer. 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 That's what I'm saying. There is many, many animal names. Tzvi? Tzvi. Yeah, Tzvi, yeah. There is Arye. Arye is a lion. There is Zev. My name is Zev. Zev is a wolf. Um, there is uh, what else? There is many names. Tzipor, Tzipora, Tzipora is a bird. There is many. I mean, I'm, I'm sure in English there is also people have names of uh, different names of animals. But wolf. Yeah, it's a Jewish name. Wolf. Many people are called the wolf. That's many people have this name. Brian Fox. Fox. Everything. Yeah. I mean, in America, animals have human names. That's a, that's a new invention. Uh-huh. But in the Bible, <laughs> people have animal names. Then sheer name was a Aaron, or Nevet, or Aaron, whatever it was your name. That they didn't want, they, they will say, and that's a non-kosher animal. That he, he might be insulted, and he will say, the Jews make fun of me. That they changed that to a description. They descri- described, what's a Aaron? How would you describe a Aaron if you want? Not write the name. I would describe it. A white fluffy thing that flops around. Pops. As many legs, like short legs, or the, the thing, something they wrote, the one who has many legs. That's how they wrote. They didn't write the name of the animal. Just to make sure it doesn't, it's not getting angry with the Jews. That they said the Jews insulted them. Hmm. And even if it, that's like one. Yeah. What? The other thing is, and I think this is the last one, maybe I forgot one, but this is, I think, the last one is in, uh, in Parshas Korach. On page 743. Seven forty-three. Who's pastoring? We um, we talk this story about Korah. He complained to Moses. Right. And uh, in number fifteen, in the bottom down, Moses. Moses became very angry. He prayed. By the way, here it's written. We remember last week we spoke mm-hmm. about Moses angry. Here it's not written the word angry, but it was my He was upset. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. 
he prayed to God, Do not accept their offerings. I did not make take a single donkey from them. I did not do anything of harm. Oh, Il Moses says, I did not took a single donkey from them. Basically, the Jewish people, what are they complaining? I didn't make anything from them. But he said a single donkey. They translated, I didn't take anything from them. Not only a donkey, because they were afraid that uh, Talmud would say, a donkey didn't take. Yeah, Moses is busy with donkeys. But he took other things from them. That they changed that, that Moses said, I didn't take anything from them. Nothing. Who all said these words? In the Aftorah, there is a prophet who said a, sim a similar thing. Um, there is a, the, in the Aftorah from, from Koirach, Take. I think it's about Samuel. Prophet Samuel said something similar in the Torah of Korach um, on page. Uh, he says something similar, but not the same. 1199. Number three. That's why it's the Torah of Korach, because it says the same thing. 1199. Here I am, witness against me in the presence of God and his anointed. Whose ox have I taken? Or whose ass have I taken? Or whom okay. have go ahead, I go ahead. defrauded? Or whom have I oppressed? Or from whose hand have I taken a bribe with which to blind my eyes? That's what he said Samuel before he died. But here he speaks about ox. He was already more... He was driving already the Ferrari. <laughs> and, he say, and he speaks about, here they translated S. It's interesting. It's the same Hamboyer that's written here. Here they translated donkey. Here they translated S. I don't know why they choose to translate it as a female donkey and here as a male donkey. But it's the same word in Hebrew, Hamboyer, Hamboyer. Maybe because Shor is a, is a male, maybe that's why the, the translators learned that the Hamboyer means a female donkey. Could be. I don't know. But he says the same words. But here they changed it. Who I didn't take anything from them. Lo Hamad, not Hamor, but Hamad means I didn't, I didn't create, uh, was, I was not craving any, anything of you. All of those were changes that they made in, the, the, in, the, in this first translation to Greek. From this started the translation to other languages and to many languages, and therefore in the other Bibles there are quite a few misunderstandings and wrong interpretation of, the, of many words in the Bible. But the reason is not we were just afraid to be the wrong interpretation. That's first of all, whenever you interpret it, you lose 5% of the meaning of the, of, of, there is misunderstandings. I saw many times translations of speeches to Hebrew or to English, and there is always misunderstanding. People don't understand what they translate. But more than that, the problem with translating the Torah that you lose the deeper meaning. We spoke about the Chabbos, for example. The, the, the prophet Ezekiel is describing how the Babylonian king came to make a siege around Jerusalem. But the choice of word that he's using is not the word siege in Hebrew, that means matzor. Mm -hmm. He's using the word samach. Comes in the word somech noflim verofecholim. What is somech noflim means? Supporting the felons. Somech means to support. When you, when you hold on to the table, you are somech on the table. You're holding on to it, something that supports you. Then the question is, the Rebbe is asking, why is the prophet Ezekiel using a word somech? It's, the wrong, it's, it's, it's almost the wrong word. That you read in translation, 
and the tent of David, the king of Babylon, started a siege around Jerusalem. Fine. But it's not what's written. It's written Somech. Rabbi said Somech means he supported Jerusalem. If Jerusalem would reunite, when they make a siege, people have a chance to reunite. If they will start to love each other, Jerusalem in the time, when, during the time of the siege in Jerusalem, there were 50 fractions killing each other. If they would unite, actually Nebuchadnezzar would do the best thing for them, the best service for them. He would save them. Because if they would unite, God would save them. The problem was that they didn't unite, even, even in Jerusalem, even in the fighting. Then, the, then that's, that's a problem with these things. Then here is an example of a word that has one meaning, but you dig a little deeper, there is a deeper meaning. There, there is thousands of words like this in the Bible, thousands of examples. What comes to my mind, Hamushim. The Jewish people went up from Egypt, armed, that's a literal translation. They came out armed from Egypt. But the word Hamushim is a strange word. Usually you would say Mezuyanim. There is other words in Hebrew to use it. The, the Talmud learns that Hamushim means a fifth. It comes from the word Hamesh. Hamesh means fifth, five, right? A fifth of the Jews left Egypt. Only a fraction of the Jews actually left Egypt. The rest of them didn't want to leave Egypt. They stayed in Egypt assimilated. That here is another example you take a word that has more than one meaning, or even more, plural and singular. In English, everything is the same. You is one, and you is ten, and you and you, and you and you. <laughs> in Hebrew, Anochi Hashem Elokecha, I am your God, right? The first commandment. The whole Ten Commandments is written in singular. It's not plural. I am your God of all of you. God was speaking to Moses. They came the golden calf. God told Moses, Moses told God, you spoke to me. What do you want from them? You spoke to me the overall the conversation. What do you want from them? He saved the Jewish people. He spoke singular. They were like overing, overing a telephone conversation of two people. Shine, what do you want? They didn't think you talked to them. Do not worship idols. You talked to me. I didn't worship idols. What's this there? What do you want? The whole idea of the Shema, in the Shema, that's a big difference. The first paragraph is singular. The second paragraph is in plural. It's in a different than day and night. The first paragraph speaks about you should love your God, you, and you should, you should do all of this. The second paragraph says, if you do what God says, you'll get rewarded. If not, you'll be punished. That's plural. Because it doesn't mean if I do, I do what Hashem wants, why it's not raining in my backyard? It doesn't work like this. It's a, it's a plural, it's a, a contact of everybody. But in English, it's all the same. You, 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 you. And there is thousands of examples then we need to translate the Torah, but we always to remember that there is much more there. 